Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. We know it's been tough managing inputs and resources lately. That's why we're inviting you to the Inputs Ag Summit on January 10th in Fresno, California. This event is a lifeline for specialty crop growers, PCAs, CCAs, and applicators alike. It's your opportunity to get help in today's challenging landscape. What will you find at the Input Ag Summit? Cost-saving seminars, networking with experts, special panel discussions, and solutions for hard times. Visit myaglife.com backslash events today to sign up for this new and exciting conference. California Farm Bureau President Jamie Johansson called on lawmakers to work to sustain agriculture into the future by securing water supplies and rejecting policies that merely ask farmers and ranchers to be resilient in the face of unaddressed challenges. Speaking to attendees of the recent 105th Annual California Farm Bureau meeting recently, Johansson took issue with California's failure to complete water infrastructure projects that could have stored water during wet years and enhanced flood control protections in years with heavy rains. Two different beetle pests found in California orchards this year have growers on alert and researchers looking to learn more as they try to develop treatments to control infestations. One is the arrival of a new invasive beetle which was found infesting almonds and pistachios in the San Joaquin Valley earlier this fall. The other is an existing native pest, a species called the flat-headed boar that historically attacked only wood but was found feeding on pear fruit in Lake County. Growers are urged to be on the lookout for these pests. The California Department of Food and Agriculture has awarded $195,838 for organizations to enhance agricultural education and leadership opportunities under the 2023 California Agriculture License Plate Grant Program. The Cal Ag Plate Program is funded with proceeds generated through the sale of special interest agriculture-themed license plates through the California Department of Motor Vehicles. Since inception of the Cal Ag Plate Grant Program, CDFA has awarded over $2 million to support agriculture education and leadership development. Current grant recipients include the California Association Future Farmers of America for $166,000. The funding will continue to provide support for student leadership and program development for the California statewide FFA program, which has 360 school chapters throughout the state. The California Association of Wine Grape Growers received about $9,900. This project aims to foster beneficial collaboration between the California Association of Wine Grape Growers and California FFA chapters to offer students hands-on experience crafting practical solutions for sustainable agriculture. The Merced Stone Ridge FFA received $9,930. The project will educate and create awareness among 6th through 12th grade students on the practice of hot metal work and why specific tools and metals are used. And in addition to that funding, the Merced Stone Ridge FFA also received just under $10,000 to go towards a project that will provide a socially disadvantaged school access to agricultural skills education, awareness training, and development within a community whose workforce is largely based in agriculture. Cali Group, a holding company using technology to transform the restaurant and retail industries, Miso Robotics, creator of Flippy, the world's first AI-powered robotic fry station, and Pop ID, a technology company simplifying ordering and payments using biometrics, announced that they are soon opening Kelly Express by Flippy, the world's first fully autonomous restaurant. Using the most advanced systems in food technology, both grill and fry stations are fully automated, powered by proprietary leading-edge artificial intelligence and robotics. 
guests will watch their food being cooked robotically after checking in with their Pop Idea accounts on self-ordering kiosks to get personalized order recommendations and make easy and fast payments. The new Cali Express by Flippy Restaurant is located in a prime retail location in Pasadena on the northwest corner of Green Street and Madison Avenue. For customers, these various technologies will enable Cali Express by Flippy to deliver freshly made burgers based on a Wagyu blend at price points competitive with other premium burgers using standard meat. Uniquely, the grill robot grinds the high-quality beef in real time after the order is placed. Flippy, the famous robotic fry station, will serve crispy hot fries made from top-grade potatoes that are always cooked to exact times. The menu is simple, comprising burgers, cheeseburgers, and french fries, according to the companies. For employees working at Cali Express by Flippy, these technologies will create a safer, easier, and friendlier kitchen. At the fry station, Flippy represents revolutionary breakthroughs in safety as slippage and burns can be nearly eliminated, as well as waste reduction in both food and oil. The Cali Express by Flippy kitchen can be run by a much smaller crew in a less stressful environment than competing restaurants while also providing above-average wages. California's vital fruit and nut supply is confronting an amplified threat from crop-destroying insects driven by climate change, as outlined in a study by researchers from the University of California Merced, the University of California's Climate Hub, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture California Climate Hub. The state's specialty crops, including almonds, peaches, and walnuts, are particularly susceptible to increasing insect populations due to rising temperatures. The study pinpoints three major insect species, the codling moth, the pitch twig borer, and the oriental fruit moth, as significant menaces to California's orchards. These pests are notorious for inflicting substantial damage on walnut, almond, and peach orchards, diminishing the quality of fruits and nuts. Climate change, with its erratic seasonal shifts, disrupts the regular life cycle of these pests. The research indicates that these three insect species are anticipated to emerge 28 days earlier than usual in the spring, with the interval between each generation shortening by up to 19 days. Although these changes won't unfold simultaneously, scientists foresee a gradual escalation in pest numbers over the next 20 to 30 years. Researchers say the study underscores the necessity for re-evaluation of current pest management approaches and the development of adaptive strategies to counter the rising threat to specialty crops. The total cold storage of grapes in California is significantly down compared to this time last year. As of November 30th, total storage levels were at 3,360,750 packages. The same week last year, there were 6,103,227 packages in storage. These numbers include all varieties and pack types. We're waking up to a new dawn in agriculture, a better way where farmers stop working the soil and start working with it. At Huma, our carbon-rich, humate-based products improve soil health and fertility, deliver nutrients more efficiently, and reduce crop input costs. Welcome to Humic Solutions with a Human Touch. Visit Huma.us to learn more. We all hope for rain. We all hope, hope for a wet winter um, and a dry blue, kind of the perfect scenario, right? Dry blue, wet winter. But the disease, it's the potential there. Um, even if we end up with a dry bloom, disease potential is very, very high. I would tell people um, you should plan ahead for a bloom spray, even in areas that primarily you may kind of skimp away, try to save a few bucks. That is your biggest chance to set yield potential for the year. You can't glue the nuts back on. 
once they're off, they're off. Dr. Kevin Caffrey, technical services rep for BASF in the San Joaquin Valley, speculating on ideal practices for 2024 almond bloom and ensuring a bountiful crop at next harvest. He said there's a few winter stressors growers should keep in mind for management. Um, I think the big thing growers have to watch out for is another wet winter is what they're projecting. We certainly hope for a wet winter. We're never going to turn away rain, right? We're going to want it if we can get it. But then when bloom hits, it's a very limited amount of time to set your yield potential. So you really want to plan ahead on how do you keep those trees the least stressed and least disease you can, because that's going to set your yield potential the rest of the year. Plan for every contingency, but be ready to pull that trigger on time when you need it at the right timing to really keep those trees stress-free or at least small amount of stress as possible and disease-free to end up with a good year in 24. It truly was an anomaly how wet it was earlier this year, and the disease landscape definitely brought an increase in inoculum in orchards. So we had a lot of monolinia out there, a lot of blossom blight. A lot of jacket ride for botrytis because it got a little cooler, kind of perfect time for botrytis. Unfortunately, all that's still around. <laughs> you may not see it anymore. It may just be dead branches, but all that inoculum is just waiting for next year. Again, we all hope for rain. We all hope, hope for a wet winter um, and a dry bloom, kind of the perfect scenario, right? Dry bloom, wet winter. Um, but the disease, it's the potential's there. Um, even if we end up with a dry bloom, disease potential is very, very high. I would tell people um, you should plan ahead for a bloom spray, even in areas that primarily you may kind of skimp away, try to save a few bucks. That is your biggest chance to set yield potential for the year. You can't glue the nuts back on. Once they're off, they're off. So I would I would caution people, plan ahead, be ready for a premium product at bloom, and set your yield from the start. The amount of diseases growers may have to deal with will bring challenges and Dr. Caffrey outlines the biggest areas of concern for management between bloom and petal fall. The two biggest by far would be monolinea blossom blight and jacket rot. Now, many times people can get away with a slightly cheaper, less effective product and get monolinea very well. The issue is jacket rot, and we have a ton of botrytis out there, and it's probably going to be wet. That's where you really have to step up to the premium products, and that's where you really need broad spectrum. I tell people all the time, Bloom time is where you want to cover everything because that's also when your spring diseases start up, your shot hole, a little bit of anthracnose or colitotrichum. So you really want to hammer a bloom and then manage the rest of the season from that yield potential. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Tallstrom. We're thrilled to announce that the North Valley Nut Conference is taking place on January 31st at Silver Dollar Fairgrounds in Chico, California. This event is held in conjunction with University of California Cooperative Extension. It's a golden opportunity for professionals in the tree nut industry. Network with our exhibitors and sponsors who are committed to your success in the orchard. Earn valuable continuing education units and expand your knowledge on the latest industry trends. Listen to our expert speakers, share valuable insights and practical advice, but attendance is filling up fast. So make sure you visit myaglife.com backslash events and register today. We hope to see you there. The Department of Agriculture is strengthening its partnership with the Environmental Protection Agency to help people in rural and underserved communities access affordable, modern, and safe wastewater infrastructure. The actions further the continued collaborations between both agencies to revitalize the nation's wastewater infrastructure, improve water quality, and protect the health of people living in rural areas, according to USDA. Rural Development Deputy Undersecretary Farah Ahmad said that decentralized wastewater systems are an integral component of the nation's wastewater infrastructure 
infrastructure, especially in rural areas where centralized treatment is often too expensive or unavailable. USDA and EPA officials sign a memorandum of understanding outlining an industry-wide initiative to improve the overall performance and management of decentralized systems in rural areas. Across the U.S., decentralized septic or on-site technology can provide communities and homeowners with a safe, affordable wastewater treatment option. The Decentralized Wastewater Management MOU was developed by EPA in 2005 and is updated every three years. Crop insurance groups oppose a recent Government Accountability Office report the industry says is fraught with recommendations that would dismantle the successful public-private partnership that delivers federal crop insurance. In a joint statement, the Crop Insurance and Reinsurance Bureau, National Crop Insurance Services, and American Association of Crop Insurers say the report contains several recommendations that would result in reduced participation in the long run. The group say GAO mischaracterized the economics of the delivery system when it states that the income increase in crop prices did not increase the workload to sell and service the policy. This statement ignores the fact that since 2011, the crop insurance industry has worked with USDA to implement both the 2014 and 2018 farm bills. Both of these pieces of legislation increased the availability of crop insurance products nationwide. New crop insurance products have since been developed along with specialty crop and livestock product expansion. The industry charges that the workload has in fact increased to meet the risk of management needs of America's farmers and ranchers. Differences in photosynthetic machinery of certain crop plants can make them more or less prone to harm caused by ground-level ozone pollution. The research was developed by U.S. Dave's Agricultural Research Service and the University of Illinois scientist in Urbana-Champaign. The findings, that so-called C4 crops like corn and sorghum tolerate increased ozone levels better than C3 crops like rice or snap beans, opens the doors to better models for predicting crop responses to effects of global climate change, as well as developing more resilient varieties that can sustain humanity's increasing demand for food, feed, fiber, and fuel. While both C3 and C4 crops use the enzyme called Rubesco to convert carbon dioxide into sugars, C4 crops isolate Rubesco in specialized cells where the concentration of carbon dioxide is very high. This enables higher rates of photosynthesis and greater efficiency of water use. Thus, C4 plants have lower stomato conductance, resulting in less diffusion of carbon dioxide and ozone into leaves. The November 2023 survey results are in for the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Dr. James Minter has the breakdown. Thanks for joining us for the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer November 2023 survey results. I'm Jim Minter, Director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, and I'm going to share with you the highlights of this month's survey. The Ag Economy Barometer was up five points this month compared to a month earlier, And that leaves the index 13 points higher than it was this time last year, but actually one point lower than it was two years ago. The current condition index rose 12 points compared to October, and that leaves that index up 15 points compared to November of 2022, while the future expectation index rose just two points compared to last month, but that leaves that index 12 points higher than it was in November of 2022. The Farm Financial Performance Index this month was up three points compared to October and up four points compared to a year ago, but that still leaves that index 11 points lower than it was two years ago. When we asked farmers what their biggest concerns were for the upcoming year, they still point to high input costs as a top concern, but rising interest rates and lower crop and livestock prices are also increasingly sources of concern for farmers. The Farm Capital Investment Index was up seven points this month compared to October, 
and 11 points higher than it was a year ago. When we followed up and asked producers who think it's a good time to make large investments in their farming operation, compared to last summer, fewer of them are choosing strong cash flows and more of them are choosing higher dealer inventories as a reason for investing in their farm operation now. The long-term farmland value expectation index was down five points this month compared to October, but was seven points higher than it was a year ago. The short-term index was unchanged compared to October, but it fell four points below its year-ago level. Producers who expect values to rise over the next five years continue to point to non-farm investor demand as a key source of demand for farmland. That wraps up the highlights for this month's Ag Economy Barometer Survey. The full report is available on the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer website, which is available at purdue.edu slash agbarometer. And you can get more details on our podcast, Purdue Commercial Agcast, which is also available on our website. The Purdue Top Farmer Conference is coming up in early January, on January 5th, 2024. You can attend that conference in person in West Lafayette, or you can take part online. Registration info and details are available at purdue.edu slash commercialag. On behalf of the Center for Commercial Agriculture, I'm Jim Mintert. Thanks for joining us. A group of lawmakers have expressed concerns regarding the Department of Agriculture's requirements for the emergency relief program. In a letter to USDA, Republican Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas and Republican Representative Jody Arrington of Texas led the effort. The lawmakers say USDA's 2022 emergency relief program requirements are misguided and losing sight of the relief program's intent outlined by Congress when it was created. The Biden administration's USDA made requirements that have nothing to do with helping farmers deal with natural disasters. In fact, by the USDA attaching excessive conditions to receive aid, this federal relief program could force farmers to wait even longer for assistance or completely jeopardize their ability to access the program, according to the letter. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.